You've tuned into the Bellingham Podcast for the week of January 13th, 2018, episode 64. Eight times eight. From the city by the sailors, see, I am AJ Barsay. And like a good neighbor, Chris Powell is there. That's me. On this episode, one technologist messes around and stumbles into a worldwide panic. Probably not, but we'll discuss what all the fuss is about two recent buzzwords, Meltdown and Spectre. Plus, AJ and I will unpack what we pack when we take a weekend getaway. Spoiler alert, we're not taking a weekend getaway together anytime soon. All that in a bag of cryptocurrency chips, next on the Bellingham Podcast. I'm crunching the hash as I uh, eat my cryptocurrency chips. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, happy, happy, uh, joy, joy, and all that other good stuff. (laughs) Well, it is happy, happy. Hey, there's this thing in Las Vegas going on called CES. Consumer Electronics Show, yes. Used to be called that. Now they just are the letters C, E, and S. Crappy entertainment survival? I don't know about that, but no, they rebranded a couple years back. I remember Casino that. Casino X. No, I don't want to fill up anyone. So, so yeah, it's uh, the big, oh my gosh, look at all the new stuff that's coming Shiny! out. But guess what? They actually had a blackout. Can you imagine? Yeah, t- I missed this. So what happened? So Las Vegas Convention Center. For those of you that have been to Vegas, it's a big joint. Okay. And, and bright and shiny. Like, and, there's, uh, so, like there's a lot of pe- electrical so power So lit up. Yeah. So lit up with lights. So lit up with Larger than life. Yes. And all of a sudden, like from 11.15 to 1.15 p.m., <laughs> no power. The only thing that was powered were Bluetooth speakers that hmm. were already charged and battery powered yeah, amplifiers or whatever. And so you hear this faint din of music that's still playing <laughs> or, the, or the Bluetooth powered lights in oh, some cases. So they had to, sh- they had to shepherd or uh, herd thousands of people out of this yeah. convention center and prevent people from coming in. It was, it was a wonderful, glorious, chaotic event. The reason why it happened. Yeah. Uh, heavy rainfall in Vegas. You heard me. According to the news report from one of the local uh, onsite, uh, heavy rainfall overloaded a transformer. Huh. So anyway, um, it's amazing how all of our grid in, in this twenty four seven electrical, you know, uh, technology always that we on. have always on didn't go on at a really necessary time. So yeah. Tesla missed an opportunity; could have put a battery backup on it. Uh, they could have done a whole lot for that. Actually, Elon, if you're listening, hey, thanks for listening. But Elon, <laughs> if you're listening, now you got your opportunity to, uh, for 2019. <laughs> no charge. No That's charge. That's right. So we're going to talk about uh, something that has hit the news, but we're not really a news uh, reporting agency. But if we did, we'd do it better. Right. And so uh, there's been something that has happened with computer processors that there is a little bit of a vulnerability discovered that affects a, a quite a bit. AJ, uh, give us the 411. So basically, there a couple weeks ago, by now, when you're listening to this, there was these two words that came out, meltdown and specter. Uh, one of these I have on a daily basis. Specter? Not quite. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, so there's these two things, I've, uh, these two words that got brought out, and it was because the tech researchers that were uh, researching this, they actually published and put everything out and then everything from Reuters to New York Times covered it in a various way of beats we're not going to cover the news of it but I do have two articles in the show notes if you want to actually read what these flaws are about um, but make a long story short these uh, vulnerabilities deal with the architecture the actual makeup of our chips in wait for it everything 
doesn't matter if you're a Mac, a PC, if you are a server like AWS, where we host all of our things from banking and whatever, it is a way to attack and gain data back. It is not easy. Like it, this is not a sky is falling moment. Uh, and there are patches already. And if there isn't uh, all of it being patched, all of these companies are on deck. All hands are on deck to to at least stay it off. There was a lot of exaggerated reports of like these patches are going to reduce your processing on your computer by 50% and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of that we can substantiate. But I just, in a week's time, I can't tell you how many texts I got, Chris, of like, what is the meltdown inspector? Do I need to worry, Chris? Do I need to worry? Well, let me me play the role of a person that would have a computer that doesn't know a whole lot about uh, this situation. Hey, AJ, because this meltdown inspector is, are the bad guys going to hack my email? Uh, Maybe. Okay. Uh, hey, AJ, do I have to buy a new computer now since this computer is going gonna, is gonna to be uh, hacked by the bad guys? No, because the new one's going to have the same problem. Hey, AJ, where's the best place to get coffee in Bellingham? My house. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's the thing. is It's, it's a hurry-up-and-wait game with, with this. It's, is it a big issue? Absolutely. Server execs right now were panicked because, mm-hmm. again, if all of our data is in one proverbial digital basket and there is a known way that it can be uh, attained yeah that's an issue for the everyday average person though i didn't see this this was a chicken little for me honestly i think uh, you know to take have a takeaway from all this as we are watching the story unfold which oh by the way how many times we heard a big exploit that affects millions of users well this is actually this week or yeah exactly (laughs) every computer is affected by this with intel processors but Something to keep in mind, folks. And, and, you know, here's something you can just, things are going to get updated. They, once an exploit is discovered, the programmers find a way to patch up the leaky hole. Asterisk, as long as you have contemporary hardware. If you're sitting on something that's running the Windows XP. Yeah. This does not apply. And, you know, if you are running an uh, eight or nine year old computer, these things happen. And yes, it, it's suiting you well and it suits, suits the purpose. But here's the thing. Older technology is really easy to get compromised compared to newer technology. And we're not talking about the Spectrum meltdown, just the nature of it being old and antiquated and unpatched. Right. In addition to having somewhat newer hardware, you just also want to keep in mind, have all of your software updates up to date. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're worried about getting the bad guys hacking your accounts, well, take a look at your passwords. That's why I said, are they going to hack your email? Mm, Oh, maybe, but not through Meltdown or Spectrum, just passwords. And in the belly podcast drinking game i invoke passwords drink <laughs> and so <laughs> double check and make sure you have strong passwords yeah. but otherwise make sure that you're checking updates as mm-hmm. time goes on because this will get fixed because there's way too many computers hanging in the balance right and so. again you don't have to run out and grab a new machine or your phone or whatever just make sure you have your updates and again the sky is not falling the next series of chips that uh were already in the works from what i have read and understand this is a non-issue. Well put. Now, speaking of uh, very intelligent people that know a lot about technology. Yes. Uh, you had a chance to do an interview. Yes. I, I get a realtor last week. Hi, Katie. Uh, you got... I got uh, Nick Hill, uh, Nicholas Hill. He is a student at Western Washington University. He's a computer science major. And he is probably... Well, one, he is the goods. Hey, Nick. Hi, Nick. 
but also he's a listener of the show. And Hi, Nick. He is, <laughs> he is probably one of the, if not the smartest person I know around this whole cryptocurrency bug. And the reason why I say that is he has been in it since I think 2012, 2013. Now think about it. Almost a, a half decade. Well, here's the other thing that I find interesting. Remember, I said he's a college student. He's yep. in his 20s. Yep. And he's been in it and has a wide portfolio. I'm using his words here. A wide portfolio of different currencies. Bitcoin, Ethereum, all of these words that you and I read up on and nerd out upon. But lately, you and I, over the dinner table, we get texts and conversation questions from friends that come and visit us. Mm-hmm. And literally, it's like, hey, Chris, how's it going? So, do you know about the cryptocurrency? We do get asked about this a lot, but uh, oftentimes, there are those who know more than us. Right. And it's interesting when you listen to his story, because he had early days, just a little bit after me, where he had a couple of Bitcoins, you know, when it was soaring at $7 a coin. Seven. Mm, That's a whole lot of money right now. Right. So, what happened to that money? Let's go to the tape. You'll find out. So on the show today, I have somebody who I would say is probably one, uh, more knowledgeable in cryptocurrency than I. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Nick, how long have you been into cryptocurrency? Uh, since 2012, when Bitcoin kind of jumped up and became something a little bit on the radar of that small little community of people. So why did you get into it? Well, I was in it for gambling originally. <laughs> like for, just for your own monetary game? Yeah, there's a 3D MMO called Dragon Tales. Oh, That okay. is all gambling games, all gambling-based games. Um, that's how I kind of built up my little stack of Bitcoin. And then I sold at $7 a coin, all 30 of them. So what, you sold at $7 a coin? $7 Have a you coin. looked at what it's worth right now? I'll always regret it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I mean... I've said on the show before, like I, I was a grad student, I was dinking around with this thing. Sure. And what interested me more than the currency side, because like you said, it was like seven dollars a coin, and eh, whatever. Right. You know, there was also Dogecoin back Doge. then. I invested in Dogecoin. Yeah, same here, right? Litecoin and uh we'll get to Ethereum that came later. Sure. But but out of curiosity, like uh for most people listening, can you explain like the difference between like these currencies and the underpinning, which is the blockchain? Yeah. So the currencies, I mean, some of them are considered currencies. Some of them are considered, you know, something more than currencies. Like Ethereum, for example, it has a back back end. Um, But I think the blockchain is, is, you know, the most important part of it all. All these coins run on some sort of ledger, some sort of blockchain. And that's just to keep everything open, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, transparent. Okay. And so, but like you said, each currency has some sort of, they're, they're all uh, individual blockchains. There's no like one ledger that all of these report to, right? Yeah, yeah. So with that said, so what's, in the case of like Bitcoin, yeah. why does it have such big market share? Why do people flock to it? Is it just because it's the oldest or? I would say it being the oldest is probably one of the big reasons it's so popular right now with the, what, 15K yeah. it is this morning. I also think that the developers... The original developers of Bitcoin are continuing to work on Bitcoin. We just had that fork a couple months ago to Bitcoin Cash, which is drastically worth lower than, than the actual. But uh, that supports, the, for the reason for that is it supports um, faster transactions. Um, because Bitcoin network, the, the whole blockchain network was just getting clogged with so many transactions. So they had to kind of fork over. Right. And so, and that's when we say transactions, that's the reconciling using the hash, right? Yes, exactly. So each time you make a transaction, your transaction has a unique hash 
goes to the blockchain, and then miners, or depending on proof of stake, if it's proof of stake, which Ethereum will eventually go into. Basically, it just keeps a record. Um, miners mine the blocks, so keep, a block is basically just a huge number of transactions, and then they verify those transactions, and then you get your money, or you send your money, or something else. And when you say a miner, a miner is just a, a really burly computer that's processing the ledger of, of transactions, that hash, right? Exactly, and sometimes there are, you know, different... Uh, algorithms that are used to hash. So sometimes some coins you can't mine with a GPU, some coins you can mine with a GPU. That's the graphic processing graphics unit. Yeah, exactly. So graphics processing units are much faster mm. than, you know, CPU mining, which is what originally came out at Bitcoin. It was all CPU. Now you said when, when you were saying the, the developers of Bitcoin, now there's a little bit of argument about this because there's the Satoshi, yeah. like it's the Genesis were, sure. were, were mined by originally sure. Satoshi. Sure. Now you and I have talked off, off the mic about this, but a lot of tech press say like, you know, who is Satoshi? Yeah. This, But what are your thoughts? Like the person or persons, do you think there's multiple people behind the development of this? And what do you think their original intent was for all of this? Well, uh, I know there's just Satoshi and that's kind of the big name that comes out yeah. when you think Bitcoin, but I definitely believe that there's a lot more people working on this massive project. I mean, from 2012, 2011 on to now, there's no way they could have a single person, you know, some team, some, you know, volunteers or something. What, what do you think their intent was? I mean, they, they created this, this ledger and they created the hash and all, all the algorithms and stuff about it. And then, of course, they're the original miners. So those original tokens are worth gobs. Yeah. And, in the, and we know through the public ledger that they have never been cashed in. Yeah. So what do you, do you think that this was just a whole pyramid scheme to like, <laughs> you may get speculative. I mean, I'm, this is not a uh, financial podcast, nor sure, do we sure. try to give advice, but I'm just curious because you've been in it for so long and you will get into this in a second, but you do a lot, you do a lot of monitoring. Oh, definitely. Sure. For the name of geek's sake, do you think <laughs> this was for, uh, a way for them to create a pyramid scheme to just spec, have people pour money into this and, and speculate? Or was this just like a hmm, challenge accepted? Let me try to do X. What do you think they were trying to solve for? Well, early, earlier, yeah, 2013, 2012, when it started gaining a little bit of value, people, there was a big big amount of people that were saying, no, this is a scam, This is gonna, he's going to cash out or something, they're going to take all our money. And that happened a couple times with exchanges. Can't Mount Gox, we talked Mount about Gox, that a couple exactly. episodes ago. Exactly. Uh, I think it was mostly to create the decentralized currency. I mm -hmm. think that's what they had in mind. You mentioned Mount, or the, the exchanges. I put, always put those in air quotes because yes. this is not like stock. It is not like no. part of a company. They are not part of the FTC or, or any of the regulatory agencies of any government. Exactly. With all of those et cetera's, et cetera's, yeah. Coinbase really kind of put a lot of the, the, the normal person, the, just the everyday Joe on the street, Definitely. which is also backed by the, the brothers who kind of got gypped out of Facebook. Oh, the Winklevoss twins. The Winklevoss twins, yeah. yeah. As a tech, mm -hmm. And Chris and I get this question a lot over dinner uh, when we go visit people. It's just like, oh, tell me everything I need to know about this cryptocurrency. I need to make millions. <laughs> uh, now, you don't have to disclose your full figures, but have you made a metric ton of money out of this? Like, what, what's been your stake in this? I've, over the years, made money, definitely. Uh, right now, the Ethereum I'm holding for as long as possible because I know it's going to go up. So getting into that, getting so into Bitcoin, that, yeah. Bitcoin, and, and all these other ones that we were talking about, those were the the, the precursor tokens. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, I don't remember what year it was. Ethereum comes out. Like 2014. Why is the Ethereum like the buzzword for for geeks, not for the mainstream? Mainstream is always for Bitcoin, geeks. but for geeks, we always talk about Ethereum. Well, 
Ethereum has a thing called the Ethereum Virtual Machine. That's a big component of it, which allows it to run smart contracts, which, unlike Bitcoin, doesn't have smart contracts. Ethereum is also very scalable. Mm -hmm. You can, it, I mean, it supports a lot of transactions, a lot more transactions than Bitcoin. As of today, there's a big, you know, big influx of transactions. Ethereum has a lot more potential than Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin right now is at the end of how much you can develop it to create more things, or we're going to have to make forks to Hits other... Bitcoin Cash. Hits Bitcoin Cash, exactly. But yeah, I think Ethereum is kind of that catch-all, that big daddy. Even though it's not considered a currency, mm -hmm. at least to me, I mean, some people consider it a currency, but that, that whole gas aspect, Ethereum, is just used... To, I mean, these tokens have spawned from Ethereum that are making millions and millions of dollars through initial coin offerings. Ethereum is kind of just that base overall. And when you say initial coin offering, we talked briefly about this a couple of podcasts ago, but that's where the tokenization of a company, where a company can issue a coin. Yeah. And we're seeing that most of those ICOs are, if I understand it right, are using Ethereum's contract system to, to, method, to make that method happen. Exactly. Yeah. They're using the ERC tokens, 20 tokens that Basically, anyone can create a token as simple as a couple clicks on a button and you can create your own token. It just depends on if people want it. Right. And that's where the, and that's where the speculation comes exactly. in, because once those co tokens are cut and you issue them, then people can hang on to them. For and sure. then kind of like antiques, right? Yeah. Something that you buy back in 1950 that from the Sears catalog, yeah. <laughs> you don't know that in 2050 it's going to be worth a million dollars when you go to the Antiques Roadshow. No, for That's sure. That's kind of what happens with these things. We cut, we kind of cut something out of an everyday thing, ones and zeros, yeah. and then a company or some sort of uh, group allows other companies to kind of say, hey, yeah, I want to issue something against that. Yeah. And then people are the ones that are speculating and putting the value on this. With with all of that speculation, we also have the other ringer that got thrown in a couple weeks or I mean, it might have been last year, actually, end of last year. Hmm. Ripple. Ripple. Yeah. What can you tell me about Ripple? Ripple, I believe, you know, is one of those coins that kind of like Litecoin. I mean, people uh, underestimate it. And then one day it's going to be, you know, $50, $60 and people are just going to be missing out. Ripple was with that, that contract with Discover. Ripple was like 20 cents. Yeah, yeah. And at the time of this recording, it was like, it's now $2 and change. Yeah. And so, you know, if you throw in $50, all of a sudden, in a matter of, I'll say a month, sure, sure. that $50 turned into 500 Oh, no doubt. Now, here's the thing. It's definitely a possibility. So, so here's my $500 question to you. All right. All of these people that are th th throwing in and saying, hey, I want, I want to gamble on this. I want to try this out. You know, there's also major losses that can come with this. Sure. How often do you cash out and are you more net positive or net, ne uh, net negative when you do all of this? I, uh, for my current holdings, I haven't cashed out. I'm definitely a big holder, as they would say on the internet. Hodler? Hodler, H-O-D-L. Okay, That's I got a new a word. little meme that originated and people use that. Overall, uh, I'm definitely net positive. I've... To be completely honest, I, I'm a student, college student. I've never had this much money in my life. But it's it, it, it's fictitious money. You have it exactly. in, in a wallet. Like, you've never cashed. Like, you can't show me, like, hey, AJ, here's a wad of $600 because uh, I think you're cool. Like, you don't have a, you're not a college student rocking a wad of uh, Benjamins, are you? No, definitely not. <laughs> I have any cash on me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do with your holdings? Do you do you actually spend in Bitcoin or, or Ethereum? Or are you just kind of a hodler, like you said? Just Are you ever going to cash out? I, with my Ethereum, is which is my big stack, I definitely use a little bit of that to buy tokens, to buy uh, little investments into other coins. 
use so you're using your uh, hodling currency sure. to buy other currencies yeah. not united states dollars not united states dollars sometimes <laughs> if i need a little bit of money i have cashed out once say okay. dollars just to pay off credit card bill but going back to my 500 dollars question when will you cash everything out there's no telling honestly i are you a hodler for life i'm a hodler for at least probably three more years three more years at 36 with, months at least with my ethereum i'm definitely a hodler because it's I mean, that's my biggest portion of my portfolio. I believe that has the most potential, potential because all those tokens coming out, a lot of them are running on EVM, which obviously increases the price. But it's not one-to-one, you know. Sometimes you'll get tokens that go down compared to Ethereum going skyrocketing, you know. What happens, so you, I'm just taking your, your three years, 36 months. What if, it happens, what, what if at 34 months the market bottoms out? We get a, a, a fiscal cliff, as it were. Sure. And all of these things just go up and smoke. I mean, at the time of this recording, South Korea is considering a full nationwide ban yeah, of definitely. what if the United States or any of these uh, major, major first world economies say we're blacklisting it. We have all the methods to be able to do it so that it can't work. What do you do? I don't think that's possible. I think that because of how decentralized it is and how... I mean, I'm sure they have programs that can trace Bitcoin and Ethereum transactions from wallets, definitely. The software that can do that automatically. Other than that, if you're doing it by hand, it's extremely hard to trace any kind of transaction on a blockchain just because of the sheer, a lot of them going down. And I mean, you got to do click, 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 find all the different addresses. But that's if they were, you know, auditing. Like they said, um, I believe they said that they want to introduce tax on cryptocurrency. They being? Uh, government, U.S. United States government. I, I don't think it'll ever die. I, I think there will be definitely some dips every once in a while, maybe due to uh, fiat markets. But other than that, no, I think it's going to stay alive. So my last question, sure. to flip all of this on its head. All right. So a lot of, a lot of tech shows and a lot of tech press, and even, even Main, Street, Main Street Press, always talk about cryptocurrencies. What if it goes under... Here on the Bellingham Podcast, we like to do a little bit thought exercise. Yeah. What if, what if other currencies lose out to this? Let's say the let's say the United States dollar gets converted into a federally made blockchain currency. Then we've all lost. Why we've do you lost. say that? We got to keep the government away from regulating these currencies. I just believe that. Because they're not, I mean, once you go into fiat, of course, they can take all the taxes they want because that's what it is. But with cryptocurrency, it's not considered a currency in my mind. It's considered. Well, it's not considered a currency in any in country's any, exactly. mind. It's considered a tool, a tool to build these applications called dApps, the de decentralized applications. Um, and that's, there's a lot of them going up right now. And I mean, I saw one yesterday that you can. Put Ethereum in and buy house through escrow. Uh, they they handle everything. Um, you just send them Ethereum and it's handled by a, con a smart contract. And, and I did read about this. So basically, as, as a homeowner, yeah, that that's appealing to me because sure. you're right. Going to the bank, doing a metric ton of paperwork that you can't electronically sign. Yeah. Okay. Being able to make a digital contract that both parties are able to view public mm -hmm. record be able to see where the transactions are, and there's automation. When I get my inspection, then this part goes into escrow. I don't have to actuate it because it's already written in the digital contract. Exactly. So you're saying, you know, so what would be the bad thing if the federal government created a federally recognized, took their dollar, 
and tokenized it. No differently than a company. It's hard. It's hard to say because you know, <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm, I guarantee there's going to be obviously the big uh, anti anti side of uh, regulation by the government. Right. Um, but I also know that sometimes it might work. Have you heard in um, Venezuela they created a coin called Petrocoin because currently their currency is not worth its value, but it's it's worth its weight. Hmm. So when you purchase things, you're purchasing with a, like a large stack of money because it's so so worthless. Um, but this petrocoin, they're going to attach it to one barrel of oil. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, we can see it spreading around the world, and I think Venezuela is a really good one to watch just to see how it would interact. Okay. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I just love learning stuff like that. <laughs> Great interview. Thanks. And Nick, you are the goods. So when when I flipped it on its head, because one of the things I wanted to talk about on the show was the concept of all of this is decentralized. None of it is federally recognized around the world, um, federal as in your own country. What if? What if our country decided, you know what? We're going to tokenize our dollar. And Nick's response I thought was just incredible. He's just like, we all lose. I, I as someone who has been in it and is a hoarder of all of these coins, you know, it's just interesting to see. He hasn't, he has all of this money. He didn't mm-hmm. disclose all of this money, but yet he's only cashed out once mm-hmm. and it was pay a bill. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of everybody's at. Oh, I want to have all of this thing that I don't know about and I'm going to hold on to it like smog from the Lord of the Rings and eventually it will be gold. What are you doing, Chris? Uh, you you cashed out. I well, mean, I did. It was an, it was a educational experiment in learning more about this new this new for me topic, and I, it turned out to have a, an evil side uh, inside of me. Yeah, and he mentioned that he monitors all of those currencies twenty four seven. His words. Yep. And you told me off the mic, and I, maybe even on the show, mm-hmm. that you felt you were double checking your phone yeah. to the point where your phone was at one percent by noon. This was uh, what the kids call or not the kids, but anyway, this, <laughs> yeah. this is what I call an attention suck. Yeah. And it happened when I was uh, when I had a Facebook account and was looking for all those likes and refreshing my. Uh, app and the same thing happened when as I'm checking the skyrocketing price I'm like yeah. wait a minute something's not right here this is not how I normally act but yeah. anyway thanks again Nick for being on the show and for uh, helping educate not only us but our listeners so next topic so Chris uh, yes so uh, one of the things we were talking about as we were you know going on the show um, I got an anniversary with my wife Woo! Yes. happy anniversary thank you very much and uh, we're headed out of town uh, in the near future, and so to the parts t- unknown. To parts unknown, we're leaving the country, uh, so that ought to narrow Scoop down. Em. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the question is, what do you, what do I take with me on a weekend getaway with y- your loved one? Yeah, uh, you and I talked about this because we had last year we had done like, where can you go mm-hmm. for a, a extended holiday? And I realized we never talked about what do we grab. So as I'm uh, preparing to, you know, head out. Uh, into parts unknown, I'm taking very little technology with me by design because mm-hmm. the uh, main focus of this trip is to focus on my wife. However, uh, the, I am taking the mobile phone with me, but uh, as we are going uh, to a border crossing, I am purposely disabling Touch ID and I'm uninstalling all of the apps that may be cloud-based. I'm only bringing the bare essentials uh, for my phone, just because should something happen, and here's my tinfoil hat, boys and girls, uh, I don't want to have those uh, 
eyes in the sky or those with additional superpowers with technology to see what I have on my phone. So that's uh, one thing that I'm traveling light uh, with. And also, um, I find that I, by disabling Touch ID, having to enter the six-digit pin code on my phone makes me want to access my phone less. Hmm. Hence, giving more attention to my wife, putting the phone away, <laughs> focusing on the important... Uh, That's probably good, yes. seeing it's your anniversary. Yes. However, I'm bringing a tablet, uh, I'm bringing the beast with me, with some downloaded content, because depending on where you are staying and where we are staying, uh, we don't want to have, we don't know if we're going to have robust amounts of wireless connectivity. Yeah. And fast throughput because we're, we like adventures and we're going to try to find a place that is not uh, the road less, the, 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 the lodging less traveled. Ah. And so uh, have preloaded content on your device. That way, in case you're in airplane mode or you don't have an international plan, uh, you have something available to you should you want to, you know, watch some entertainment. Um, also, I'm bringing that wonderful, ubiquitous Anchor 5-port charger. In oh, which, the battery beast? Uh, yes. Yeah. And so it charges five devices, uh, which is more than we would have. It's pretty much my wife's phone, my phone, and a tablet, and maybe her Fitbit charger, uh, just in case, uh, for those hikes. And uh, that should narrow it down uh, to where we're going. But anyway... Um, Bring a charger that has multiple ports. That can help matters out. And then in the analog side, I'm bringing a notebook and a pen and a paperback book like I talked about in the previous show. So that's pretty much all outside of clothes. I was going to uh, say, and, and clothes, right? Yes, I am bringing it. be a, awkward in a foreign country. I'm bringing a change of T-shirts, yes. Okay, good, all right, good. There you go. So uh, that's pretty much an idea of what I would bring on a, a getaway. How about you, AJ? Uh, well, mine is a little bit bulkier because I have a wee one. So it's like I have uh, the the bag. My wife and I typically share a bag when it's a, a long weekend. Uh, the Timbuktu Navigator bag I've mentioned Perfect. gobs of times. I'm not going to go in detail again. But we can live out of that bag for three days real easy. Uh, and then there's the diaper bag. <laughs> so, the diaper bag. You know, uh, and any of the, the various paraphernalia that you bring because you have a wee one, the stroller and stuff, if, if we're in a place that we're going to be strolling. But um, I'm even more svelte in my tech than you because mm. usually it's just my phone yeah. and my wife's phone. Uh, I do bring a uh, Anchor style. It, it's not made by Anchor, but it's an Anchor style charger uh, that plugs into the wall and is also the battery. So it, it's a two for one because I don't like carrying the wall wart that you plug your USB into mm -hmm. and having the lipstick battery charger. I like just having it all in one. Uh, I got it for free at a conference once. So, there you go. You know, it's you green. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's good enough for you know, the devices, the two devices that are both iPhones that share the same, you know, a lightning connector. So that's all tech wise that I bring. I, I don't bring the iPad or the, the, the laptop, my camera, obviously on a light weekend, I'll bring as a pro photographer, I will bring my body, the camera body, and maybe two or maybe three lenses. Sure. That's it. Absolutely. So I bring my, my small bag. Um, you need the telly, the Strat, and the Les Paul to cover uh, all your bases. And crank it up in the Marshall, baby. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's all I bring is um, I'm, yeah, in my watch, of course. Of course. That yeah. goes without saying. Of course. So on that note, uh, that wraps up for this edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us on the iTunes, Google Play, 
TuneIn Radio. My favorite app. Uh, or wherever the heck else you like to listen to your podcasts. If you're in the Bellingham area, you might catch us on Bellingham's very own KMRE 102.3 FM. Low power. Low power. Community radio here in the heart of the city by the Sailor Sea. On that note, I'm AJ Barset. And I'm Chris Powell. Thanks again, once again, for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. <laughs>